Let us turn in God's word this evening to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2. The text that we consider is the 10th verse. We'll read that first. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's now go back and read the entirety of this chapter. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember that ye, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through 
the Spirit. Thus far we read God's holy and an errant word. May God add his blessing upon the reading of the Holy Scriptures. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the text that we consider this evening, the 10th verse of Ephesians chapter 2, is a text that is quoted frequently in defense of the necessity of good works. If someone feels that there is a threat in the church to the truth of sanctification, the importance of walking a godly lifestyle before God, if someone believes that there is found the threat of antinomianism, lawlessness, one of the first texts that some will turn to is this text here, Ephesians 2, verse 10. And at times... What will be done with this verse is this verse, the 10th verse, will be contrasted to verses 8 and 9. They'll say that verses 8 and 9 speak of what God has done for us. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And then what can be done at times is that this 10th verse is contrasted with the previous two verses, maintaining that verse 10 is about what man must do. Been saved by grace. Now, here's what man must do. You must walk in good works. Now, certainly it is the case that the 10th verse is a a proof text for the importance of good works. God tells us in this, this 10th verse that we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. But what we must be cautioned against is creating a false contrast between what God has done in saving us and then what is said on the other hand of what now man must do himself. This 10th verse is not a reason for us to look at ourselves and evaluate what we have done and then boast about those works. But rather, this 10th verse is a continuation of the main theme that the inspired writer has been setting forth. And that main theme is that salvation is done for the glory of God not of works, lest any man should boast. And then he goes on saying, for, for, he's given a further explanation here, for we are his workmanship, God's workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So let us consider this text this evening under the theme created unto good works. First, we'll consider God's workmanship. Second, the fruit of it. And then third, the assurance given. The psalmist declares with the church of all ages that we are his, God's, workmanship. What a statement this is. What a statement that you, as a member of the church, can make. I am God's workmanship. And together as the body of Jesus Christ assembles, we with one voice proclaim, we are God's workmanship. Regardless of how the world views the church, regardless of how small the world tries to make the place of the church upon this earth, regardless of the taunting and mocking of the world against the church, this truth remains that we are God's workmanship. Regardless of how one views himself, regardless of whether one feels that he or she is God's workmanship, yet this truth remains. For the young woman who struggles with low self-esteem and does not view herself to be very comely or attractive, this truth remains, I am God's workmanship. For the young man who wishes that he had more abilities or greater strength and who is disappointed in himself because of those limitations that he has yet this truth remains I am God's workmanship the word workmanship means creation or handiwork it's a word that brings to mind a picture for us and the picture here is of a sculptor The sculptor is going to work with clay, and he's going to shape this clay into something that matches a vision that he has. He has in mind this plan of what he wants this finished artwork to look like. And so he works with the clay, he molds the clay, he tweaks the clay until at last there is a beautiful vessel that has been created by that sculptor. And then the sculptor, having finished creating this masterpiece, stands back and admires the work that was done. He considers it to be his workmanship. In an earthly way, that pictures for us what God has done for us. As God created us. 
there's an important distinction here, a, a failure of this picture. And the failure is this. The sculptor has before him the raw material that he uses to shape his piece of art. There's the clay. He simply reforms that clay to shape what he desires. But God, as God shaped his handiwork, had nothing. Before God created, there was nothing. It was out of nothing that God called into existence everything. And then God took that unformed mass, and from that unformed mass, he shaped man. He used dust. Out of the dust of the ground, he shaped man and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And then on the seventh day, God, even as the sculptor did in the picture, God admired the work. He saw that it was very good. And he, he entered into the enjoyment of that work that he had shaped with his hands. We are his handiwork, his workmanship. God created man in a unique way. God created man in such a way that he could work. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God made us as human beings as working individuals. He gave unto man the ability to think and to reason, to make decisions. God created man in such a way that man was formed in the image of God. So that even as God worked and works, so man in a creaturely way works. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. In this regard, then, man is distinguished from the rest of creation. The sun, moon, and the stars can perform the purposes that God has given unto them. The creatures of the sea and the creatures of the dry land can and do perform the purposes that God has given unto them, and yet they cannot think and they cannot reason and work in the way that man works. But God created mankind as the pinnacle of his creative efforts. God gave unto man a place of dominion over this creation, and God called man to rule over this creation as the work that man was to be involved in. And so it is then that by faith, as we reflect on our own creation, that we state with the Apostle Paul, we are his workmanship. And nothing can take away from that.
as God's workmanship, we are created in Christ Jesus. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That we are created in Christ Jesus means, beloved, that we are created in union with Jesus Christ. We are not created independently. We are not created to live a life separate from the Creator God, but already in the beginning, God created us in union, in a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. It was the will of our Father that we be created for the glory of His Son, Jesus Christ. Already in the beginning, God had in mind the, the revelation of the power and the glory of Jesus Christ. God desired that His Son, Jesus Christ, who would come down into this world and be made of a woman, would be known would be worshipped, and would be glorified. God anticipated the cross where redemption would be made for His people. And thus it is then that in Jesus Christ, that is in union with Jesus Christ, God created His people. God created us in such a way that we would be able to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. He gave unto us ears so that we can know our Good Shepherd as He speaks unto us. We as the handiwork or the workmanship of God were created with eyes so that mankind on this earth could behold the cross of Jesus Christ. God made man in His own image with knowledge of God and righteousness and holiness so that in a creaturely way, man could resemble Jesus Christ. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. But it is more especially in our recreation that we are created in Christ Jesus. You see, after God created Adam and Eve in the beginning, then man fell. Instead of man reaching for the glory of God, man reached forth for his own glory. He grabbed a hold of the forbidden fruit. He wanted to be as God, knowing good and evil. He became the servant of sin and of the devil. And in that act in the garden, man became the worthy object of the punishment and the wrath of God. Man deserved to be utterly destroyed, but God, but God, 
who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. Ye are saved. And that is especially the sense here in which the writer speaks of us being created in Jesus Christ. It is referring to our spiritual recreation in Jesus Christ. It's referring to that work of God as he quickens our souls, as he gives unto us that new man of Jesus. We can learn about this spiritual recreation in Jesus Christ by comparing it unto the physical creation of man in the beginning. In fact, this word created, created in Christ Jesus, is similar to the Old Testament Hebrew word, which means to call into existence out of nothing. And so it is that there are parallels in between our spiritual recreation and the original act of physical creation. In the beginning, we said before that God called out of nothing and shaped everything. Well, thus it is in our spiritual recreation in Christ. It's not as if there was anything in us that was spiritually alive. It wasn't as if there were, there was after the fall some residual grace found in man, some common grace found in man, and that then God merely had to refine and cultivate that life and that grace in man and improve upon what already was latent within man so that then man could be a new creature in Jesus Christ. No, the reality is just as in the beginning when God created out of nothing, so in our recreation there was no life within us. We were dead. In the beginning, God, by an act of omnipotence, created the heavens and the earth in our recreation in an act of grace. God gives us life. And then another parallel. In the original physical creation of this earth, man was passive. Adam did not participate with God. He wasn't God's helper or assistant in creating the heavens and the earth. But God designed and God shaped Adam and Eve exactly the way that God wanted them to be. And so it is in our spiritual recreation as we are created in Christ Jesus. We are passive in that. It is not as if we are assistant unto God in the act of our regeneration 
It is not as if God throws unto us this lifeline and then we assist God by reaching out and grabbing a hold of that lifeline. But just as in the beginning, so it is in our spiritual recreation. God in His sovereign act of grace shapes us as His own children. This we confess by faith. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Oh, not everyone can make this claim. Many on this earth cannot say that they are created in Christ Jesus. It is only those who have belonged unto God from eternity in the decree of election those chosen by God in love, for whom Jesus Christ died on the cross, that we can say we are in, created in Christ Jesus. How do we know if we are created in Christ Jesus? If it is the case that so many on this earth are not created in Christ, then how do we know? We know because God gives unto us the gift of faith. And by faith, we believe that we belong unto Jesus and nothing can separate us from Him. And God then in love crowns His work in us with good works, fruit of being recreated in Jesus Christ. The fruit that God gives unto us is the fruit of good works. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. What are good works? We must be careful here in understanding what good works are. The world has its idea of good works. They would define good works loosely that so long as you are living generally a moral life as Western civilization understands morality, as long as you are kind, as long as you help out your neighbor when the neighbor is in distress, as long as you give unto charity, are involved in assisting, help, helping those who are poor, well then that can be qualified as a good work. The head of our catechism helps us understand more clearly and precisely what are good works. Lord's Day 33, question and answer 91. Good works are those which proceed from a true faith, are performed according to the law of God and to his glory. 
and not such as are founded on our imaginations or the institutions of men. This text, Ephesians 2, verse 10, teaches us as well that good works, the standard for what are good works, is to be determined not by us as creatures, but is to be determined by Jehovah God himself. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And what are these good works? Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God is the one who has ordained or decided ahead of time, determined ahead of time, what these good works are. And so it's not of us then to determine what are good works, but Jehovah sets the standard for good works. Good works are those which proceed from, that arise out of a true faith. And so always the Christian must put this question to himself as he seeks to walk in obedience unto the commandments of God. Am I doing this out of faith? Or am I doing this merely out of custom or out of habit? Am I performing this work simply because I am afraid of what the consequences would be if I do not perform it? Does it arise out of true faith? And then a good work is such that it is done according to the law, the commandments of God. Does performing this so-called good work require of me to violate one of the commandments of God. If performing this work requires of me that I deviate from the law of God, then I cannot call this a good work. And then as well, the Christian must examine his or her motive in performing good works. What is my goal? If the goal is for the glory of oneself, if the goal of performing a work is so that others will notice and so that others then will think more highly of me because I have performed this work. And it's not a good work. But good works are such as are done to the glory of God. It's in these good works that arise out of true faith, that are done according to the law of God, and which are done for His glory, that we walk. Which God hath before ordained that we walk in them. God did not create us as robots who simply in a mechanical way go through the motions of good, performing good works. But God created us. We are His workmanship. He created us as thinking, willing, emotional human beings. And His call unto us is walk. Walk in these good works. 
And so we as Christians actively lift up our voices in praise unto Jehovah God. We desire to bow down our heads and pray unto him, lifting up our supplications unto him with the confidence that he hears and answers our prayers. We yearn for Jehovah God. We cry after him. We rejoice in the salvation that he has given us. And we confess our sins and our iniquities unto him. We walk, created in Christ Jesus, we walk in good works. But even then, as we walk in these good works, we must acknowledge that these works are God's gift unto us. You see, this text is teaching us how we as Christians must view our own work. And the question that has been raised at times is, is there a point at which, at which Christians may take credit for the works that they have performed and thus boast in themselves? Certainly the Christian concedes, even is thankful for, the fact that the work of justification the forgiveness of our sins, that is of God. Certainly the Christian understands that atonement is of God. Certainly the Christian understands that preservation in our salvation is of God. But what then about works? The Christian performing good works, is that a point along the pathway of salvation at which the Christian may point to himself and say, because I have performed these works, therefore I may glory. Perhaps I glory only a little bit, and most of the glory goes unto God, but I have contributed this small amount unto my salvation. If we are tempted along these lines, then we must recall what the Apostle Paul says at the end, or in verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then in verse 10, he continues to demonstrate unto us that there is no reason for man to boast in himself. We cannot boast because in the first place, we are God's workmanship, created by God. If it wasn't for the fact that God himself had shaped us, if it wasn't for the fact that God had given unto us minds by which we can think and reason, then we would never be able to perform any of these works. So the fact that we are God's workmanship means that we may not boast in ourselves. Second, this 10th verse guards against boasting in the works which Christians perform because... God has already planned out these works. It's not as if the Christian of his own thinking and of his own 
determination, decided what would be good works, and then decided to put into action that which he decided was good works. No, God has before ordained these good works for us. He determined these good works, not just in general, but specifically each and every good work that the child of God performs has been planned by him from before the foundations of this earth. And then third, why is it that we have no reason to boast in our works? That's because the only possibility of performing good works is because we are created in Christ Jesus. Were it not for that union that we have with Christ, we would have no desire and we would have no ability to perform good works. For apart from our union with Jesus Christ, we would have no faith, And recall that good works proceed from a true faith. We would have no concern for the law of God, which governs our works. And we would have no desire to give God the glory. But it is only because of our spiritual recreation in Christ that we are both able and willing to perform the good works which God has before ordained for us. The assurance that we as Christians have is that God has already planned out these works. And we need to be reminded of this because the temptation always is to compare. We compare our work and what we have done with the works of the neighbor. We see what abilities and what gifts God has given unto the neighbor. Perhaps God has given unto the neighbor a more public position so that it is easy for others to notice the gifts and abilities of that individual. And then we are tempted to compare our gifts and our talents, the works that God calls us to perform, compare them unto the neighbor. And then we're tempted to conclude that our works are of lesser importance or of lesser significance than the neighbor's works. And then the devil would have us think that we are perhaps a second-rate Christian, create tears of Christianity, and conclude that there are many others who are above us, but we must be toward the bottom if, if even a Christian at all. It's easy for us to be discouraged as we look at our works, even the best works of man. 
are as filthy rags, the prophet says. If we were to look to our works for a source of comfort as the basis of our consolation, we would not be comforted, but we would be left with even more distress. For as we look back upon works that we perform, even the holiest of works that we do on this earth are still filled with sins and weaknesses. So then we can even be overcome with a sense of shame at those works. And so what we as Christians must always remember is that God has already planned out these works. We walk in the works which God has before ordained for us. And the wisdom of God is this, that He ordains works for us that are in accordance with the way we are created. This text sets forth, first of all, the sovereignty of God in creation. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And then this text sets forth before us the works in which the child of God walks, which works are determined by God. And now if we relate these two ideas together, the fact that God has a pathway of works set for us and the fact that God has created us, what we see, beloved, is this wonderful reality that God gives unto us works to perform that are in accordance with the way that He has shaped us. And so who are we then to complain or criticize the abilities and the callings then that God has given unto us? If God gives unto us the lowliest position, then thanks be unto God that He gives unto us the privilege of performing good work to the glory of His name. Let us then cheerfully walk in the good works that God gives unto us to perform. We walk not motivated by fear performing good works. We walk not anxious about our relationship with God, feeling compelled to perform good works with the hope that they might please Him. Nor is it the case that we walk in good works motivated by pride, thinking that our good works make us to differ from others. But we walk in good works out of gratitude 
unto God for what He has done for us in Christ. Sometimes we walk in good works in a place where there are many others who walk alongside of us in the home, in the Christian school, in the church. We walk, and there are many who gather around with us and support us and encourage us in walking in these good works. But there are other times where when we walk in good works, it seems as if no one else is walking with us. Times when we are left alone, even abandoned, exactly because we walk in good works. In those times, may God give unto us the grace to know that we are not alone, but we have the indwelling Spirit of Jesus Christ, who spreads abroad the love of God in our hearts, and who gives unto us the confidence that this earth is but a place of our a pilgrimage and our final resting place is in heaven. May God grant us grace that all the days of our lives we walk in the good works that he has planned for us. Amen. Our Father and our God, how great Thou art and greatly to be praised. We thank Thee for Jesus Christ, who is our peace, who hath broken down the middle wall of partition so that we can be brought unto Thee and unto Thy people. Strengthen our faith, forgive us our sins, let Thou receive our worship for Jesus' sake. Amen.